everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself before we get started. I am a former gay stripper. Yep, that's right. You heard that correctly. (laughs) I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ. This podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me and educate those that are not like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk about what a life with Jesus actually looks like in 2020. Nothing is off limits, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. So before we get started, I want to let everyone know that this podcast is completely free to listen, and we do accept donations, and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, click on the description and you'll find a link to become a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my link tree where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. Um, you can also go to patreon.podbean.com slash Samuel Perez. So I look forward to meeting a lot of you guys um, through Patreon or PayPal or Venmo or through email. You can always shoot me an email at united12 at gmail.com. But on today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about one of the things that has been the hardest thing in my Christian journey till this date. I don't think you guys are going to be able to guess this, but the craziest thing, the most difficult thing besides um, sex and lust in my Christian journey is actually food. That's right, gluttony. It's not something that a lot of people talk about very often. If anything, people actually try to dismiss this topic. Um, Not a lot of preachers are talking about gluttony. Not a lot of preachers actually want to admit that they struggle with eating too much or um, not eating enough. So one of the reasons why I deal with this is because before my life with Christ, I was actually a sex addict. I used to have sex almost every single week, um, maybe multiple times a week, and it was the one thing that would actually make me feel like I had um, kind of intimacy, that I could feel loved or be loved. Um, There's a lot of different aspects to why I actually had sex. Um, Most of it was just because I felt really unhappy with myself. Um, I I wanted to experience love and I wanted to be loved. Um, And in the same way, it kind of moved on to my relationship with food once I became a Christian. When I got saved, essentially I made a decision with Jesus that I wasn't going to have sex anymore and that I actually didn't want to participate in that type of lifestyle anymore. And that was very hard, but the Lord gave me a lot of grace uh, through that time. And I was able to let go of a lot of relationships, a lot of friendships. I was able to change a lot of my habits. Um, But in the midst of that change, there became another addiction that actually arose. And this addiction was to food. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I love food. Um, I have always been the one to always suggest going to a restaurant to have a fun time and to hang out. Food and eating food has been something always that I've enjoyed to do with my family growing up Latino. There's always food in our house. There was always bread. There was always rice, chicken. And if you weren't the first one to eat the food, then the food would be gone. (laughs) I'm sure some of you guys know what I'm talking about if you have brothers and sisters. If you're not the first one to reach the table, by the time you get to the table, the food is almost all gone. So 
if you're there and you're the first one to reach the food, the first thing you do is probably just engorge yourself on all the food you could possibly eat and probably not leave any behind for your brothers or sisters. At least that's how it works for me and, um, and how I grew up in my Latino home. But of course, this is not okay. This is not all right. Gluttony is a very serious sin in the Bible. And it's mentioned quite a lot. Um, food is actually mentioned a lot in the Bible. It's mentioned during covenants. Um, Jesus talks about food. He talks about spiritual food. The prophets, they talk about um, eating the scroll and the things that feed their soul. Um, Proverbs talks a lot about the gluttonous and the drunkard. So we have a lot of references to food in the Bible. So it's kind of a surprise to me that nobody really likes to talk about it. And it's actually one of the reasons why I had such a difficulty with my relationship with food when I first became a Christian, because I didn't know that it could actually take the place of existing addictions that I had gotten rid of with Jesus. When I left my sex addiction, I actually replaced that longing and that wanting to be loved and the feeling of fullness and pleasure with the feeling of food. So for example, if I was feeling um, particularly lonely on a Friday night and I knew that usually on a Friday night before Christ, I would go and cuddle with a guy or hook up on Grindr. Instead, now I would actually turn to Taco Bell and I would turn to McDonald's or I would turn to KFC. Um, especially, it doesn't help that right in front of my house, there's just like a lineup of different fast foods. We have Taco Bell, we have KFC, we have McDonald's, we have Wendy's, um, you name it, we have it. Dunkin' Donuts, it's all there. So that does not help the battle that I was facing. Um, but I essentially replaced one addiction with another addiction. And you're probably asking why. Why is it that when we feel empty, when we feel lonely, when we feel like something is going wrong, we turn to comfort foods. A lot of the, a lot of us have that problem in our lives. So basically, I believe that one of the reasons why we feel such a deep longing, especially in the stomach region, um, when we leave one addiction is because I believe that the Holy Spirit resides in the center of our body, which is kind of above the intestines, uh, above the stomach. And a lot of people, what they do is that they don't want to actually hear from the voice of God. So they don't want to hear from their purpose. They don't want to hear the will of the Father. They don't want to hear from what the Holy Spirit is saying. And a lot of Christians have this issue where they accept Christ, but then they just kind of do life the way that they have always done life and they never really change anything about their lives. And I believe that since the Holy Spirit never really stops speaking, since God never really stops chasing after us once we've received him, that we are essentially left with a longing if we're not following and, di and directing ourselves within the way of God's will, that the only thing we can turn to are self-pleasures or temporary pleasures. For example, either like sex or food. And a lot of what people do, actually a lot of what Christians do, is that when they feel this longing, when they're feeling the voice of the Holy Spirit and of God and things that make them uncomfortable, things that they don't really want to do, things that go against the flesh, they actually try to shut up the voice of the Holy Spirit by consuming food like Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell and just eating and eating and eating until they can't really hear any more of the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's almost, almost like um, they engorge themselves so much that they get this temporary release, this temporary pleasure, and it kind of shuts up the Holy Spirit because it blocks up all the intestines. It blocks up our inner stomach. And I don't know about you guys, if you've ever felt the feeling that you feel when you're full, 
when you eat a lot and then you just like you can't even do anything you just have to lay down you get the itis and that's what they call it um, you just lay down and you can't move you feel really lazy in the same way we do that to the Holy Spirit there's no room for the Holy Spirit to move within our body within the center of the body if we are filling it up and engorging it with food all of the time. And there's actually a Hebrew word for this, it's called ma'ah, and one of the definitions for this Hebrew word is called um, your place of emotions or distress or love. So in Hebrew culture, it was actually known that the place of emotions, the place of love actually didn't stem from our heart organ, but it stemmed from the center of our body where kind of where our intestines are. And this Hebrew word ma'ah, can mean internal organs and inward parts and bowels and intestines and belly. And there's also a ton of scripture that talks about people only listening to their belly, people only listening to the God of their belly. For example, we have Philippians 3.19, which says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Here, Paul is actually talking about people who are against God. Their God is actually their belly, their own self-pleasure. And they don't think about the spiritual things. They're only thinking about the earthly things. So they're only thinking about the things that can temporarily satisfy them. So just me personally, I had a lot of work to do in this area because I had taken care of one area, but then I had replaced it with another area of destruction. I had replaced it with, instead of having sexual pleasure, now I was going to turn to whenever I felt lonely, whenever I felt unloved, whenever I felt bad about myself, or whenever there was a bad situation between me and a friend or a relationship, I would just turn to engorging myself with food. And luckily for me, I was a personal trainer before I was with Christ. So I, I didn't gain a lot of weight during the times that I was actually battling with my food addictions because I pretty much go working out for about two hours every single day. It's something that I really enjoy and it gets me out of the house. But for other people, that's not the case. For other Christians or for people who are trying to deal with replacing one addiction, they actually gain a lot of weight because not a lot of people spend two hours at the gym like I do. And even with spending so much time at the gym, I was still gaining a lot of weight and I wasn't really happy with the way that I looked and that impacted me some more and then that made me actually want to eat even more. So it was a vicious cycle that just never ended. So I actually pulled up an article from WebMD and it says experiments in animals and humans show that for some people the same reward and pleasure centers of the brain that are triggered by addictive drugs like cocaine and heroin are also activated by food, especially high palatable foods. Highly palatable foods are foods rich in sugar, fat, and salt. So even here, psychologists are actually defending that eating can be almost like the same feeling as cocaine and heroin. Imagine that. So if you're coming off of a heroin addiction or a cocaine addiction or a sex addiction or a smoking addiction and you start eating things that are highly palatable, these foods that are highly palatable, which are just delicious, with sugar and, f and fat and salt, I mean, th that sounds like my type of food, it can actually feel just like an addicting drug. Another web article that I pulled up was from psychologytoday.com by Judy Scheel. She says, sometimes food and body image preoccupations are used as substitutions and avoidances of pleasure that come with sex. In this way, eating food is associated with gluttony, guilt, shame, and self-loathing. 
Sometimes these feelings are really feelings or fears about sex and a healthy sexual appetite. Sometimes sex is utilized as an avoidance of intimacy. Having sex may enable physical closeness in the short term, but does little to quell the quest for emotional security and feelings cared for and deeply loved. Now, I don't completely agree with everything that this article had to say, but I believe that they're on the right track. Basically, what that paragraph was saying and what this article was saying is that a lot of people are eating out of the void that they feel from not having a healthy intimacy. And I don't believe that a partner or a spouse can actually fix these issues. I believe that you can be in a marriage and be totally gluttonous. You know, I believe that you can be in a marriage and be addicted to food. Um, your spouse is not gonna be the one to fix that. And no matter how much intimacy you have with your spouse, that's not gonna fix the problem. The problem is that we were created by God for God. There are pieces inside of us that only God can sustain. There are parts in our body that fit like a missing puzzle piece with God. So the real intimacy that we really need to be talking about is the intimacy with God. I believe that when you steward a good intimacy, a good relationship with Jesus Christ, you won't want to run to those high fat foods. You won't want to run to those high um, salty foods, you're actually going to want to run to Jesus first. And one of the ways that we can explore this is actually through fasting. So I wanted to talk a little bit about fasting and actually where it is in the Bible, how it's practiced and how it's used. But before I do, I want to quote a paragraph from C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. He says, the reason why it can never succeed is this. God made us, invented us as a man, invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. So basically what C.S. Lewis is saying is that we are meant for intimacy with Jesus Christ. The one thing that is actually going to sustain us, the one thing that is actually going to get rid of our addictions, the one thing that's going to get rid of our loneliness and our wanting to fill ourselves up with these horrible foods is actually intimacy, not with our spouse, not within our marriage, not within our relationships, not within our church, but our intimacy with God himself. It's like the Bible says where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all other things shall come your way. That's really how it works. Seek first God and everything else is going to stem from there. Every healthy, pure, beautiful thing is going to stem from your relationship and your intimacy with God. And C.S. Lewis actually talks a lot about the connection between sexuality and food. In his book, Mere Christianity, he actually compares uh, food to sexuality by using a striptease example. So I'm going to read a little bit about that. It's kind of lengthy, but just hang on in there because I believe it's actually going to help a lot of people who are listening to this kind of understand a different perspective. So he says in Mere Christianity, 
You can get a large audience together for a strip tease act, that is, to watch a girl undress on the stage. Now, suppose you come to a country where you could fill a theater by simply bringing a covered plate onto the stage and then slowly lifting the cupboard so as to let everyone see just before the lights went out that it contained a mutton chop or a bit of bacon. Would you not think that in that country something had gone wrong with the appetite for food? And would not anyone who had grown up in a different world think that there was something equally queer about the state of sex instinct among us? One critic said that if he found a country in which such striptease acts with food were popular, he would conclude that the people of that country were starving. He meant, of course, to imply that such things as a striptease act resulted not from the sexual corruption, but from sexual starvation. I agree with him if, in some strange land, we find that similar acts with mud and chops were popular, or bacon, one of the possible explanations which would accord to me would be famine. But the next step would be to test our hypothesis by finding out whether, in fact, much or little food was being consumed in that country. If the evidence showed that a good deal was being eaten, then, of course, we should have to abandon the hypothesis of starvation and try to think of another one in the same way before accepting sexual starvation starvation as the cause of striptease, we should have to look for evidence that there is in fact more sexual abstinence in our age than in those ages where things like striptease were unknown. But surely there is no such evidence. Contraceptives have made sexual indulgence far less costly within marriage and far safer outside it than ever before, and public opinion is less hostile to illicit unions and even to perversion than it has been since pagan times. Nor is the hypothesis of starvation the only one we can imagine. Everyone knows that sexual appetite, like our other appetites, grow by indulgence. Starving men may think about food, but so do gluttons, the gorged as well as the famished, like titillations. Here is the third point. You find very few people who want to eat things that are really not food or to do other things with food instead of eating it. In other words, perversion of the food appetite are rare, but perversion of the sex instinct are numerous, hard to cure and frightful. I am sorry to go into the details, but I must. The reason why I must is that you and I, for the last 20 years, have been fed all day long on good, solid lies about sex. We have been told, till one is sick of hearing it, that sexual desire is in the same state as any of our other natural desires, and that if only we abandon the silly old Victorian idea of hushing it up, everything in the garden will be lovely. It is not true. The moment you look at the facts and away from the propaganda, you see that it is not true. So C.S. Lewis is basically saying in this very long paragraph from his book, Mere Christianity, that he's trying to figure out the reason why we have become so perverted with our sexual acts. So one of his hypotheses was that um, we might actually not be having enough sex. But actually, that's not true because contraceptives, which are just condoms, and um, the use of sexual apps and everything that we have in modern day culture would actually tell us that's wrong. There's more sex happening now than there was before. So why is there so much perversion in the sexual community now than there was before? 
before when probably there was less sex before and now there's more sex now. He's basically saying that the more we consume of something is the more that we want of it. He's saying that even though someone likes food, they will probably start to pervert it the more they eat of it, which is in fact very true because I don't know about you guys, but I live in America where we actually scroll on social media to find awesome pictures of the latest um, trends in food. So I believe there are these things called monster milkshakes, which are taking place in New York City, and they are these monster milkshakes, like literally. They are like exploding from the top. They are filled with pretzels and, and lucky charms and all types of different sugars and, and, and different things. Um, and why are we doing that? Why have we become a culture that a normal milkshake is just not enough for us? Even though we're not gonna eat all of that, we're not gonna eat the pretzel, we're not gonna eat the chocolate syrup, we're not gonna consume this entire monster milkshake, we still want to lust after it. We still want to look into it. We still want to like it. Um, we wanna show it off to our friends. So it's not that we're starving because America is not starving. A lot of us have plenty of food to eat it's actually the indulgence of food. It's actually the fact that we have too much of food. We're not actually listening to the spirit inside of us. We're not listening to our soul. We're not listening to God. And we have perverted what was supposed to be good into a really weird thing. And now you're probably asking, well, Samuel, how can I fix my perversion on food? What do I have to do in order to break this addiction of just when I feel lonely and when I feel sad, I turn to my belly. I turn to the things that I'm desiring. I'm turning to the things that I'm lusting after, even if it is lusting after food. Um, I would basically say that something really practical that was done in the Old Testament, which is still being done in the New Testament and was even practiced by guess who? Our savior, Jesus Christ, was fasting. Personally, I love fasting. Um, one of the main people to look to about fasting is Miles Monroe, um, Catherine Coleman. These are great generals of God who spent a lot of time fasting in their lifetime and have a lot of information on how to fast and what is a fast and what it actually means. So a fast is not simply just a diet. A fast does not mean I have just removed um, food from my daily living and now i'm going to continue my day like if nothing else has changed no a fast means that i have taken the time that i would be um wasting on food and instead now i'm going to actually seek the face of god and there's different types of fasts there are communal fasts which you do with communities and then there are individual fasts which you do just by yourself just you and god and each one has a different purpose. For example, the community fast um, can actually help you to understand and be more caring um, and be more perceptive, not just to the love that God is feeding you, but also how to spread that love unto others while you're going through difficult, hard situations and you're killing the flesh. It's great. And then an individual fast is kind of just if you haven't heard God in your in, in this season or you haven't heard a lot from the voice of the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, um, an individual fast can kind of clear up the pipes that have been dirty with lust and perversion or food or um, whatever sin you can try to pack into it. 
Um, and it cleans those pipes out to be able to hear directly from God a little bit more clearer. So fasting does not move the heart of God. It is not something that you do to try to win the affections of the Lord. The Lord has plenty of affections to give and he loves you very much whether you're fasting or whether you're not fasting. What fasting does is it actually brings you closer to the word of God. It, ha it helps you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit a little bit more clear and helps you to become one with his will instead of your will. So one of the greatest examples that we can actually look at is from Jesus. In Matthew 4.1, it says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and I just want to take a pause here because a lot of people think that fasting is only a certain amount of hours for the day. But here, the example that is given to us is that it's 40 days and 40 nights, which means there was no pausing to eat and engorge yourself and then to fast the next day. It was a continual fast, and I do believe in continual fast, although I do believe that some people obviously have health issues and cannot fast the entirety of a day and a night. Um, but that's also something to fast about. You know, health is a great opportunity to fast. So um, whatever fast you want to do is great. But here we have the example that Jesus is fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says, afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on exceedingly high mountains and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So here we have the example of Jesus actually before starting his ministry fasting. And when he was approached by by the Pharisees, because there was a time when he was with his disciples um, and the Pharisees asked him, why aren't you guys fasting? He said, well, um, the bridegroom doesn't, um, uh, the bride doesn't fast when the bridegroom is around. The bride is going to fast when the bridegroom has been taken away. So he, his, his commandments to us is that when he has been taken away from, from us, that we should actually be fasting. And that's exactly what I was trying to say is that we have to remember that right now, Jesus is not in the midst of us. He is through the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is our best friend and our awesome, awesome savior in spirit form. But he's not physically here with us. And, and for us to hear properly the word of God, for us to hear revelations from God, we need to be able to be fasting. And this has to be a lifestyle of fasting. We have to be continually fasting as the bride waiting for the bridegroom. So I believe that the more you practice fasting, the more actually you lose the connection between um, spirit and physical flesh. The more you will be more likely to, when you're feeling um, loneliness, when you're feeling um, all of the things that you used to feel um, in your addictions, you won't turn to food to try to satisfy the God of your belly. 
but instead you are going to turn to God because you you have already been accustomed. You've been practicing fasting. You've been practicing times where you've gone days without eating. So now it's going to be easier for you to say, you know what? Um, tonight, even though I'm feeling lonely or even though I'm not feeling loved or I'm feeling bad or I can't get up out of bed, I'm not going to go and buy myself a Big Mac and I'm not going to ask for those extra large fries. You know what I'm going to do? Instead, I'm going to go to the only person that can fully fulfill me, the only person that can fully satisfy me because when I was fasting, I remember feeling the same way but making a commitment to myself that I wasn't going to turn to my fleshly desires to satisfy the longings that only God can satisfy within me. And just to sum that up, Food is a great thing. It is a beautiful thing. That's why Jesus talks about it so much. He he says in the Last Supper, which is something that John Calvin talks a little bit about in his theology, is that he says, I have become the bread and my skin will be broken for you. And my blood will be the wine that you drink to remember the sacrifice um, that I have done for you. This is the Last Supper. This is the beginning of the new covenant. So every time that we eat, it should actually be reminding us of our intimacy and relationship with Jesus. And every time we remember Jesus, we are actually physically eating, well, um, spiritually eating bread. And every time we remember the sacrifice and the bloodshed of Jesus, we are actually spiritually drinking wine. So it's it's kind of amazing to think about. Um, it's a beautiful analogy. If you read um, in Numbers, they allude to this. Jesus alludes to this, which is um, the grain offering, the wine that must be poured um, along with the sacrifice in the holy temple. So it's not so important just to get our needs met with physical food um, to be able to feel satisfied, which by the way, just spoiler alert, you won't. The next day you're going to want to eat some more and the next day you're going to want to eat some more after that. Like you end up going to Taco Bell and ordering four tacos and then the next day you order five tacos and then the next day you order eight tacos and the next thing you know, you're around um, 100 pounds overweight than you really should be because you've allowed yourself actually to be ruled by the God of your belly. But here, Jesus is actually trying to explain to us through the Lord's Supper that food, spiritual food, is very important. That when we remember him, we will actually eat of his skin. We will actually eat of his blood, which is like our bread, which is like our wine. And that's why when you're fasting, a lot of people are actually very scared. They're like, but what if I get hungry? But what if I like um, faint? You know, if you're properly doing a fast, either um, you just call Jesus a liar because he said, I will be your spiritual bread. I will be your spiritual wine. Like I'm going to be what feeds you and what you thirst for. Or you believe in his words and you believe what he said was true. And when a lot of people fast, they actually are very surprised by the outcome. They realize um, the more time they spent with God on their fast, reading scriptures and praying, the less weak they feel and actually the more energetic they feel. And I believe that a lot of our health issues are actually due to food. Um, they're not due to the lack of food. They're they're actually due to the engorging of food. So for those of you guys who are actually thinking about how to actually end a food addiction or a gluttony addiction or try to cut off any type of gluttony spirits around you, 
What I would suggest is actually going on a fast, researching a fast, try looking into Miles Monroe. He has a lot of great information. Make sure you fully understand this topic. There is so many Bible verses that we can get into, but unfortunately, I am out of time. Um, I love you guys so much, and I'm so thankful to be able to be talking about things that are just real and are actually happening to a lot of Christians everywhere. You know, not a lot of people on the pulpit want to talk about gluttony because why? Because if they are suffering from it, it is clearly visible and they will feel hypocritical. So guys, do not feel hypocritical because you are suffering with the fact that you like to eat a lot of food. We are all in progress together. That's why this podcast is called Christian Progress, because we're not trying to impress anybody. We're just realizing the fact that we are imperfect and that we need our Savior, Jesus, to be able to save us. So these are just some instructions. Try fasting. Um, try Try reading the word of God more and when you feel those things that you felt before in your sex addictions or through the times without Jesus, loneliness, bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever sin it is, remember, don't turn to food. Turn to your spiritual food. Have some intimacy with the creator who formed you and with the creator who fuels you. I love you guys so much and I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and I'm so excited to make the next one. I'll see you guys next week. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye. Peace.